Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one holy page of Talmud each day. Two years ago next week, and I can't believe it's already been two years, we lost one of the Jewish world's, and indeed the world's, wisest men, the inimitable Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Judaism, Rabbi Sachs is famous for saying, is the ongoing conversation of the Jewish people with itself, with heaven, and with the world. It is a conversation scored for many voices. The theme of Rabbi Sachs's Yurtzeit this year is from optimism to hope, and Lord knows we need all the hope we could get right now. We'll include a note to register to the Global Day of Learning in Rabbi Sachs's memory in the show notes to this episode, and we'll tell you much more about the event next week. But for now, today's page of Talmud gives us a great chance to hear one of Rabbi Sachs's many brilliant sermons on the Torah. In today's daf, the rabbis continue their exploration of vows, focusing on two themes in particular, the person who vows not to sleep, a particularly harsh vow, and the person who associates an item with a Torah scroll, saying, for example, that from this moment on, this thing and that is as forbidden to the ordinary touch as is the sacred Torah. The rabbis go on to ask, what precisely does this mean? Does the person then hold whatever he decided was the forbidden item in his hand and think of the name of God, which is what he would find in the Torah? The discussion goes on for many pages. We'll get back to it, I promise. But the key idea in play here is how the words we say change us, how they can transform even mundane realities into elevated possibilities. This is also the subject of one of Rabbi Sachs's most beautiful sermons, which begins, coincidentally or otherwise, with a person, Jacob, famously falling asleep. It is titled, When the Eye is Silent, and it's our honor to include it here unedited. May Rabbi Jonathan Sachs's memory be a blessing to us all. Vayetze, when the eye is silent. This week's parasha rep- relates a powerful, primal vision of prayer. Jacob, alone and far from home, lies down for the night with only stones for a pillow and dreams of a ladder with angels ascending and descending. This is the initial encounter with Beit Elohim, the house of God, that would one day become the synagogue. It was the first dream of a Shah HaShamayim, a gate of heaven, that would allow access to a God that stands above, letting us know finally that God is truly in this place. There is that one nuance in the text that's lost in translation, and it took the Hasidic masters to remind us of it. Hebrew verbs carry with them in their declensions an indication of their subject. So the word yadati means I know, and lo yadati means I didn't know. When Jacob wakes from his sleep, however, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place. Vanochi lo yadati. Anochi means I, which in this sentence is superfluous. To translate it literally, we'd have to say, and I, I knew it not. Why the double I? To this, Rav Pinchas Horowitz of the Panim Yafot gave a magnificent answer. How, he asked, do we come to know that God is in this place? 
by Vanochi lo yodati, not knowing the I. We know God when we forget the self. We sense the thou of the divine presence when we move beyond the I of egocentricity. Only when we stop thinking about ourselves do we become truly open to the world and the creator. And in this insight lies an answer to some of the great questions about prayer. What difference does it make? Does it really change God? Surely God doesn't change. Besides which, doesn't prayer contradict the most fundamental principle of faith, which is that we are called on to do God's will rather than ask God to do our will? What really happens when we pray? Prayer has two dimensions, one mysterious and the other one not. There are simply too many cases of prayers being answered for us to deny that it makes a difference to our fate. It does. I once heard the following story. A young man in a Nazi concentration camp lost the will to live. And in the death camps, if you lost the will to live, you died. That night he poured out his heart in prayer. The next morning he was transferred to work in the camp kitchen. There he was able when the guards weren't looking to steal some potato peelings. It was these peelings that kept him alive. I heard that story from his son. Perhaps each of us has some such story. In times of crisis, we cry out from the depths of our soul and something happens. Sometimes we only realize it later looking back. Prayer makes a difference to the world, but how it does so is mysterious. There is, however, a second dimension, which is non-mysterious. Less than prayer changes the world, it changes us. The Hebrew verb lahit palel, meaning to pray, is reflexive, implying an action to, done to oneself. Literally, it means to judge oneself. It means to escape from the prison of the self and see the world, including ourselves, from the outside. Prayer is where the relentless first-person singular, the I, fall silent for a moment and we become aware that we are not the center of the universe. There's a reality outside. That is a moment of transformation. If we could only stop asking the question, how does this affect me? We would see that we are surrounded by miracles. There is the almost infinite complexity and beauty of the natural world. There's the divine word, our greatest legacy as Jews, the library of books we call the Bible. And there's the unparalleled drama spreading over 40 centuries of the tragedies and triumphs that have befallen the Jewish people. Respectively, these represent the three dimensions of our knowledge of God, creation, God in nature, revelation, God in holy words, and redemption, God in history. Sometimes it takes a great crisis to make us realize how self-centered we have been. The only question strong enough to endow existence with meaning is not what do I need from life, but what does life need from me?
That's the question we hear when we truly pray. More than an act of speaking, prayer is an act of listening to what God wants from us here now. What we discover, if we're able to create that silence in the soul, is that we're not alone. We're here because someone, the one, wanted us to be. And he has set us a task only we can do. We emerge strengthened and transformed. More than prayer changes God, it changes us. It lets us see, feel and know that God is in this place. How do we reach that awareness? By moving beyond the first person singular, so that for a moment, like Jacob, we can say, Vanochi lo yodati, I know not the I. In the silence of the I, we meet the Thou of God. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.